Welcome everyone, one and all, to another episode of Tour Guide Tell All. Um, I am one of your hosts, Rebecca. And I'm Becca. And we are the, Re- the Rebecca's. <laughs> I know. We'll get it right one of these days, guys. One of these um, days. And we are here in the midst of October, and the weather is getting cooler, and the leaves are changing, and it's so exciting. And we're here to talk about sort of on our theme this month is some spooky stuff and some scandals and some, you know, kind of darker side, darker side than normal, I guess, uh, stories. And what better fits with the theme of spooky and scandal than a cemetery? So we are going to talk about, we have several cemeteries in the DC area, as you might expect. And because of who we are and sort of where DC is, we're very well situated to have lots of cemeteries with like interesting people. And everyone's heard of course of Arlington and we've talked about Arlington in the past and Arlington National Cemetery is amazing, but it is not, while it is probably the premier cemetery uh, in the DC area, it is not the only. Uh, We have Rock Creek Cemetery, we have Congressional Cemetery, and we have the topic for today, which is called Oak Hill Cemetery. I have to just say one of my favorite sort of things to do in DC is to explore our cemeteries because they're so rich in history. Because we are the nation's capital, you get really interesting people who are buried in these cemeteries. And this time of year, and especially with everything going on with COVID, you know, if you're getting a little antsy, you want to get outside, but um, you're still maybe not so sure about the museums and crowded spaces, visiting these cemeteries, especially uh, Oak Hill, which is so beautiful this time of year with the fall foliage, I think this is like a great little staycation activity. So if you've not normally been like a person who's like looking at grave sites seems fun, hopefully this podcast will convince you that a cemetery can be a lot of fun or can be really interesting and thought provoking and intellectually stimulating. I think looking at cemeteries is fascinating because it's just such a great glimpse into so many different aspects of our history. I mean, in DC, we're spoiled because we have so many like interesting people at the cemeteries, but even like your local cemetery, there's history there too. And um, you can walk around and see, you know, who had 17 kids and who got married young. And it's really interesting. And you can write in your head their like backstory. Oak Hill is just beautiful particularly this time of year because it's situated in sort of upper georgetown and it's phenomenal just fall foliage just colors everywhere and even in the non-fall times it's just it backs up to rock creek park which is our largest green space in the city and so it has occasionally like wildlife running through and i mean that in the actual wildlife sense the graves are beautiful. There's so many stories. It has so many unique little teeny details. And before I became a tour guide, I'd lived in DC a while and had never heard of Oak Hill. And then I went there and it's just the cutest, most interesting place. So I'm so excited. We're going to talk about it. Also, they're the nicest people, like they're super friendly and will love to talk to you and show you around their cemetery. So yeah, so we are going to focus on Oak Hill Cemetery. It is in historic Georgetown, Upper Georgetown. It is really like a country club for the afterlife. This is a cemetery because of its proximity to the oldest part of Washington, D.C., of course, 
Georgetown predates the creation of the federal district. So they're fond of saying before there was a Washington, there was a Georgetown. So Georgetown has this rich history. And then you have this cemetery that is specifically seeking out in its early years, important Washington, D.C. names. It grows as a very prestigious cemetery. So today, when you're walking around, you certainly will see names that you uh, recognize and we'll mention a few, but you're also going to see a lot of wealth on display with the really elaborate markers. So to me, Oak Hill is sort of fascinating because if you want to see how the other half lives, you can sort of walk through these Georgetown mansions. And if you want to see how the other half dies, you can stroll through Oak Hill Cemetery. It was founded in 1848, which makes sense if you sort of think about the fact that Congress comes to Washington, D.C. in 1800. So as we get to 1848, we sort of have a generation or two that have called Washington, D.C. home. And we are now established. This American experiment has uh, made its way for about 60 years. We're an established, growing, booming nation. And so more and more people are wanting to be laid to rest in Washington, D.C. And so the person who really is the motivator behind the creation of Oak Hill Cemetery is a man named William Wilson Corcoran, who was a native of Georgetown. Corcoran is probably a familiar name to you if you are a DC native or live here. Um, if you've heard of the Corcoran Gallery, there are various other sites and places named for William Corcoran. He was a very, very wealthy man who spent that money prodigiously, uh, a very big creator of money and spender of money. And he purchases 15 acres of land from a man named Lewis Washington, who was the great grand nephew of George Washington. So George Washington himself with Martha had no children, but George Washington had half brothers and they had children. And so we do have Washingtons, although they are not descendants of George himself. Oak Hill also has not only, that's not Oak Hill's only George Washington connection though. They do have several of his great nephews and nieces, like his brothers, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. But they also have his step-great-grandchildren. Martha Washington has two children from her first marriage. And we always hear about Custis, George Washington Park Custis, who owned what is now Arlington National Cemetery. But the other sibling, his sister, gets kind of into the cemetery thing as well. She eventually is going to get married and settles in something called Tudor Place, which is really cool and still in D.C. and you can tour it. And she has... 15 children. Who boy. No, thanks. And she kind of gets caught up in the like, she's having children. <laughs> I'm sorry. She gets caught up having children. No, sorry. She does get caught up having <laughs> no, children. No, that's like 15 she, years of her life. She has like 15 of them. But she kind of like, they, she's having children in the late 1790s, early like 1800s, right as we're becoming a country. And she gets caught up in the like patriotic fervor. And so she names, well, her first daughter, she names after herself, Martha. But she names her next daughters, America, Britannia and Columbia. And that's just amazing. And several of her sons and at least one of her daughters are buried at Oak Hill. In fact, Britannia, one of her daughters, she's buried at Oak Hill. She is one of my favorite stories because she gets married for like 18 months. She has one kid, her husband dies, and she never marries again. And she lives almost, she was 96 years so she's born in 1812 and dies on the eve of the First World War. And I feel like there's a romantic story there that someone should write a like long-suffering novel about. That's what I'm thinking. Anyway. And I will mention, Corcoran was very savvy. He buys this chunk of land, the initial part of what becomes Oak Hill from a Washington, but he also actively solicits these Washington descendants and family members and connections to commit to buying plots and to be laying to rest there. So Corcoran's sort of saying like, Look, we may not have George Washington. He's at Mount Vernon, but 
this is pretty prestigious. The people that are choosing to be laid to rest here are, you know, some of the cream of the crop of American royalty, as it were. So Corcoran, very early on, is positioning this as the end-all be-all for cemeteries. It will grow to about its current size of about 25 acres. So it's a good-sized cemetery. You have possibly even seen it when you've been driving along Rock Creek Park. You can see part of it from there. And in that 25 acres, there are about 19,700 sets of remains, which seems like a lot, even for 25 acres. Mm -hmm. And when you enter, you definitely don't see 19,000 grave markers. So only a percentage of sites have grave markers on them. Often as you're walking through, you don't always realize this, but you're actually walking where there are remains. So something to be aware of. Yes. And they still bury people there to this day. It's still an active cemetery. About half of the people buried there are Georgetown natives. There are families that have purchased plots like 150 years ago and they still own them. And they will, they have told us that they routinely get calls from families that used to be super duper wealthy, bought this family plot. They still have plots. And now the family is not as wealthy as they used to be, but they still own all this and so they still want to be buried there. So there's a lot of like all of Georgetown history is basically encapsulated uh, at Oak Hill somewhere or other. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things I really like about Oak Hill is certainly you'll see his names of historic note, but also if you have just lived in Georgetown or lived in DC, there's a lot of people who are of local note. So it, it's a nice mix of this local neighborhood cemetery that also happens to have this overlap with very important figures in, in DC and America. American history. It is enclosed today with an absolutely beautiful wrought iron fence. Uh, the fence was put in 1866, which again is maybe a little glimpse of how wealthy these people are. They didn't want their cemetery to be disturbed by outsiders and people who are not of the right ilk. You may notice if you visit the cemetery today that they are doing a big restoration project. We're going to put a link to Oak Hill Cemetery's website in our show notes. But if you're interested in the cemetery and the great work that they do, this is a big preservation effort trying to restore the original fence. The biggest issue today is not so much the fear that like someone's going to break into the cemetery. It's actually wolves. Wolves were a big problem. Now it's, I think actually deer is truly the, the biggest problem. I don't know if I've ever been and not seen a deer. They're always there. Right. All the time. Yep. Um, and you mentioned yep. it was an active cemetery, but it also has something that I think is really unusual for cemeteries today. They still have a superintendent that lives on the grounds, which is such a throwback, I feel like, to another era, but that even in 2020, it's the superintendent such, lives there. It's my, one of my favorite things about Oak Hill is that they are the only cemetery that they know of in the United States that still has a live-in superintendent. They have a house, like can you Call up to Oak Hill Cemetery, you'll see these beautiful gates that have been there since the 1860s and this gorgeous brick house. That is where the superintendent lives to this day. He takes care of the cemetery and it's really amazing. There are no other cemeteries still like it uh, with a live, live on the ground superintendent. Yeah. And I love the gatehouse is the superintendent's home, but it's also become sort of their historical archive where they sort of keep this fascinating collection of items and things they've received, including a very special key that we'll talk about in a moment. So Oak Hill, we could really, we're trying to keep these episodes not like seven hours long. So we're not going to talk about every amazing story at Oak Hill because if you want to hear all the amazing stories, you should book our Oak Hill Cemetery Walking Tour. We do tours of Oak Hill and we'd love to take you out there and show you in person. But just as a little overview, a few people who are buried at Oak Hill whose names may be familiar to you. We do have some friends of the pod. 
some people we've talked about on our pod, Edwin Stanton, which Becca talked about to such great and interesting effect a few weeks ago. He's very easy to locate. He's near the front gate, so you don't have to walk too, too far to find my good friend, Edwin Stanton. We've also talked about David Bruce. We talked about him very briefly in the episode about uh, World War II spies. He was a friend and sort of co-worker of William Donovan. He and his wife, Evangeline, are buried right by the main chapel. Who else have we talked about on our pods? There's kind of a little bit of a, a cabinet secretary section there because there's David Bruce, there's Dean Atkinson, there's Edwin Stanton. So these various people who have served in presidential cabinets. Russell Train, the first secretary of the EPA, appointed by Nixon. He's there too. See, it's a little cabinet fun. Also, someone we've mentioned on the podcast, Bradley, editor of the Washington Post. Uh, we talk about him early on in the podcast in our Mary Myers episode. So um, if you haven't listened to that, that's kind of perfect for October because it has to do with murder. Catherine Graham is buried at Oak Hill Cemetery along with her husband, Philip Graham. Uh, they're actually, their grave site is located just across the street from the house that Catherine Graham occupied for most of her adult life in Georgetown. So their home is right across the street. So you can actually see it from Oak Hill, which is kind of cool. Do you know why she buried him there? So she could keep an eye on him, she right? She could keep an eye on because apparently he was very popular with the ladies in life. And he so was a known she wanted philanderer. Lone, yeah, let's not sugarcoat it. And so she wanted to like literally keep an eye on him. So she buried him uh, right next to the chapel at the sort of heart of Oak Hill. And a lot of other really interesting people. Peggy O'Neill Eaton, we haven't had a chance to talk about on the podcast yet, but she was part of something known as the Petticoat Affair, a bit of a scandal in the Jackson administration, which we talk about on our White House at Night tour. Also, Frederick Aiken, who was the lawyer that defended Mary Surratt during the Lincoln Conspirator trial. If you've seen the movie The Conspirator, he's portrayed by James McAvoy. So he is buried here. Of course, William Corcoran, the man who was the driving force behind the cemetery, has just an absolutely stunning, I don't even know what you would call that, like a mausoleum, this beautiful structure for Corcoran and his various family members. And uh, when it comes to famous names, it's not always just the people buried there. There are some very famous names associated with the grave markers themselves. I happen to be a big fan of the jewelry that comes in the little blue box, you know, to which I refer. Oh, yes. That's a, yes. if you, you lady, the ladies know. Tiffany. Yeah, the ladies know. We there know. is actually a marker there that was created by Tiffany's. Yes, this is the only authenticated Tiffany gravestone in the world. And it's beautiful. It's of an angel. And it's on the grave of a railroad magnate who apparently was pretty famous at the time, but is completely unknown today. But I never get tired of pointing that out because it's really beautiful. And it's Tiffany and it's he signed it and it's amazing. It's sort of amazing to think, you know, the way businesses evolve and change, but that you would sort of have like, oh, yeah, we make jewelry and we do this, but uh, we'll make you a grave, grave marker too, if that's what you want. You're willing to pay for the stone and the metal. There's also another marker with a pretty notable sculptor artist associated with it. Um, the one that I know, and I don't know if this is where you're going, is the Hatfield Mausoleum. It is designed by Hatfield, who's the same guy that designs Arlington House uh, at Arlington National Cemetery and also part of the Capitol. Uh, Hatfield was, he was a pretty big deal. That is going to be one of the very first markers actually at uh, Oak Hill. It's designed for the Van Ness family, which if you've been to DC, there's a metro stop called Van Ness. So they owned a lot of property. But I'm thinking that that's not where you're going with this. No, I was thinking about the gravesite of Joseph Willard, who was the first ambassador to Spain. And that was sort of his big 
big claim to fame in our government, but he had, uh, it's now a reproduction today, but he had on his gravesite this beautiful base relief done by Augustus St. Gaudens. So he had this beautiful reproduction that was done. It's got this angel, which was said to be, the model for the angel was said to be uh, St. Gaudens' mistress, as was often the case with these artists. But it was originally stolen off of the Willard gravesite. I was claimed to be worth like, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So people were like, okay. <laughs> I think you would like the connection there to this is that um, his son-in-law was the Joseph Willard's son-in-law was Kermit Roosevelt. Yes. That's why. I, that, okay. It was all coming back around to me. I knew that was coming, going to come to me, but yes, it was a Roosevelt TR son, Kermit. And I'm surprised Becca being the Lincoln lover that you are, that you have not mentioned the other Lincoln connection buried at Oak Hill. Yes, we we will definitely I guess I, I guess this is as good as time as any to talk about the major Lincoln connection at Oak Hill Cemetery. And it is the place where Lincoln's son, William Lincoln, known as Willie Lincoln, was laid to rest for three years following his death in Washington, D.C. So for a little bit of context, President Lincoln and his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, will have four children. Uh, by the time he becomes president of the United States, they've already lost one of their four sons. Eddie had died at the age of three when the family was still living in Illinois. So they come to Washington, D.C., their eldest son, Robert, who we've talked about on the podcast, he's off at college. Um, so it's really the two younger boys who are living at the White House with the Lincolns. They have their youngest son, Tad, and their son, Willie. The two boys are rambunctious and full of energy and life, uh, and they bring some much-needed joy to the White House during this time of the Civil War. Unfortunately, in 1862, both of them are going to fall ill with typhoid fever. This is most likely caused by the fact that their drinking water was the Potomac River, which I find just horrifying. If you think about what the Potomac River was like in 1862 with thousands of soldiers camping out on the Virginia banks and uh, the horses and the waste and just everything. So they're drinking the Potomac River water. It makes both boys very ill. Um, Tad survives. Willie does not. Willie is going to die at the age of 11. And it's just heartbreaking to me. The president and the first lady going through this tragedy of the war and then having to deal with the loss of a second child. Uh, there's kind of this incredible tableau that gets painted of the fact that while Willie Lincoln is dying, the Lincolns are obligated to continue hosting receptions at the White House. It seems weird to us, but during the war, there were tons of these receptions and they were supposed to boost morale and get the government going. And it was supposed to help secure funding for the things that needed funding for the war. So he's downstairs, he and his wife, having to entertain and glad hand and, and schmooze. And upstairs, his son, who parents shouldn't have a favorite, but Willie was probably Lincoln's favorite son, is spending his final hours. Uh, and it's just so tragic to me. When Willie Lincoln dies, the family is devastated, particularly President Abraham Lincoln, uh, but they're not entirely sure what to do with the body. Their son, Eddie, is buried in Illinois, but the idea of taking time to go to Illinois, have Willie be laid to rest there, to be far away from him, that's not ideal. Luckily for the Lincolns, there's a man named William Carroll, who is the clerk to the United States Supreme Court. He has a crypt at Oak Hill Cemetery, and he has also gone through the loss of a child. He understands that devastation, that heartbreak, and so he offers up space in his crypt at Oak Hill Cemetery for Willie Lincoln. And the Lincolns are very moved by this. 
I will jump in here and say that the Carol crypt, the Carols have an interesting backstory. William Carroll, who's the sort of patriarch at this point of the Carroll family, uh, they have a lot of history in Washington as well. His father, Charles Carroll, is the uh, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. In fact, the only Catholic signer of the Declaration. His uncle, John Carroll, Archbishop John Carroll, started Georgetown University. So they have a lot of history, the Carroll family does, and they have this beautiful crypt that is sort of at the very edge of Oak Hill. He had lost a child and so he is very kindly offers to house uh, Willie Lincoln's body in his family crypt temporarily. And so that becomes the plan. The plan is to have Willie Lincoln placed in the Carroll crypt for the time being. So they will bring Willie Lincoln there. They'll take two carriages from the White House. They'll have the carriage that's carrying Willie Lincoln's casket drawn by a white horse with the family's casket being drawn by a black horse. They will have a small service in the Renwick Chapel. When you visit Oak Hill, one of the first things you notice when you enter the gate is this beautiful, I mean, it's just absolutely stunning Gothic style chapel. It's not particularly large, but it is just so pretty. It's like a, a massive cathedral to me, but like in miniature. It's just really, really beautifully done. Uh, the architect was the man, James Renwick, uh, who the chapel is named for today, who also did St. Patrick's in New York City, did the Smithsonian Castle in Washington, D.C. And it's in this red Seneca sandstone that you see at, on the Smithsonian Castle on the mall. So it's, it just feels very D.C. to me. So they have a small little ceremony for Willie Lincoln and the Renwick Chapel. And then he's taken sort of down this hill. And if you walk today it's a bit of a bit of a bumpy path um it's not paved over the way that we sort of maybe think of sidewalks and things today it's this bumpy bumpy stone and you go downhill and it's sort of carved cut into this little corner so it's a really quaint quiet resting place and then what happens next is the part of the story that always just breaks my heart they entomb willie lincoln the family leaves and then President Lincoln comes back. Uh, we mentioned there is a superintendent that lives at the cemetery, and that has been the case since the cemetery was founded in 1848. And so we have records from previous superintendents, including the superintendent in 1862. And President Lincoln comes back, and he asks for the key to the Carroll Crypt because he wants to go spend time with his son. Now, we know that he visits Oak Hill Cemetery on a number of occasions. We know that he goes down there often at night, always alone. What happens down there has become sort of, I think, course of speculation. And we've had people who have probably, after the fact, sort of embellished. There have been accounts of him opening up the casket and looking at his son, holding his son's body. It's hard to know for sure if any of that is true. But certainly, he went down to visit and spend time with him. And that's one of the images I always keep of Lincoln in my mind is this man who's burdening, you know, himself with the weight of the nation at this terrible time, the nation splitting in two, and all of these young men across the country are dying every day. And he's carrying all of that. And then he carves out just a small little amount of time for himself to sort of grieve and mourn the loss of his own son. And it's just heartbreaking. And one of my probably best moments ever ever being at Oak Hill Cemetery is uh, I was waiting for a few guests for a tour chatting with the superintendent and we were talking about just the cemetery and at one point he's like well do you want to see the key and I was like what key and he was like the Carol Crypt key and I'm like yeah yeah I'll see it and then um sorry in advance if you're like an archivist or anything he was like do you want to hold the key and I was like yeah because this is the key that President Lincoln held uh, and used to access the crypt so that is probably one of my favorite 
tour guide life moments ever. Now, naturally, if you go to Oak Hill Cemetery today, Willie Lincoln is not there. Willie Lincoln would only be there for three years, 1865, when President Lincoln is assassinated. It is, of course, the appropriate and right thing to do to have Willie join his father in going to Springfield. So when uh, we think about Lincoln's funeral train making this 15-day journey from D.C. to Springfield, people forget that he was not the only casket on that train. They had Willie Lincoln's casket with him as well. So the two of them were transported together so that the Lincolns could be laid to rest together. Uh, If you do go to the Carroll Crypt today, though, there is signage and a plaque to commemorate Willie Lincoln. And people will often leave pennies in remembrance for Willie, which I find so touching. I know. I love the pennies. And it's one of the things that, one of the things I tell people when I take them on tour of Oak Hill is that the Washington DC that Lincoln would have known is changed quite a bit in the 150 years since his death. But Oak Hill Cemetery is fairly similar to what it was when he knew it. There are more graves there at this point, obviously, but there's a lot of very similarities. It's sort of your the place in Washington, I feel like you're best able to sense uh, Lincoln and sort of see what he would have seen. The gates were there. There was already a cemetery. The sort of semi-treacherous walk to the Carroll Crypt uh, has not really been improved in 150 years. Uh, so it's still all there. And it, you can kind of, it's the, I think, and I tell people it's the best place if you're a Lincoln fan to sort of get as close as you can to the Washington DC that he would have known um, when he would come up there fairly regularly to sort of spend time with his son. Absolutely. It's, I really think like when you walk that path, you are walking the steps where he walked and you are looking at what he saw. And of course, you know, things have changed and trees have grown and all of that. But uh, it is, it's the closest, I think, to stepping back to 1862, which is pretty amazing. So that's, that's not so much spooky, but sort of tragic. The Willie Lincoln tale and and the way that President Lincoln has to grieve his son during this time. But it it is one of the things that really connects me to Oak Hill anytime I'm there, anytime I'm outside of Oak Hill uh, on our tour. Now, um, I think you're going to share, though, I think a little bit about uh, a spookier story, but also another figure who I just find really interesting. Yes. So I did want to just pause a bit. We mentioned the chapel and the chapel, the Renwick Chapel is just absolutely beautiful. It's still used. They say about 60% of the funerals that are there have a service at the Renwick Chapel. It only holds about 60 people. So it really, really is like a grand cathedral, very much shrunken down and kind of in miniature. They also say that they have people occasionally want to do weddings there because it forces you to limit your guest list, which I'm kind of all about. So there's that. It's the only like truly gothic style chapel in Washington, D.C. Like it's got this really amazing vibe. But the story that I want to tell actually is about one of the superintendents. He's no longer the superintendent. In fact, he's actually buried at Oak Hill now. Uh, His name is Joe Pozell. And the Pozells were the superintendents in the 80s. They move in very early in the 80s. Joe moves in with his wife, Ella. And their oldest son, Joe Jr., 
I believe they have a couple other kids, but Joe Jr. is the one we're going to be talking about. He's about six years old uh, when they move into the family, the uh, superintendent's quarters, uh, which like we mentioned earlier, is this beautiful red brick Gothic style home. And it's very otherworldly. The home itself is really gorgeous. And so they move into this home and Joe Jr. has written about this sort of later on in life, but he writes about how one day, not terribly long after they moved in, he is playing in the house because he's six years old and he looks in the mirror on the wall and he sees himself, but he also sees a woman in back of him with black bushy long hair and he doesn't think too much about it he figures it's his dad playing a trick on him and so he kind of forgets about it and then he sees this woman again and again and a few more times and he sees her dozens of times at one point a few years later when he's a teenager him and his mother are cleaning his room and in my mind I'm imagining she forced him to clean his room because he was a slob because he was a teenager and they see this woman with the black bushy hair walk by the front of his open bedroom door and Joe Jr. is going to confront his mother who denies having seen this woman and the next morning uh, Ella the mother tearfully confesses that not only had she seen the woman the day before she's seen her a few other times sort of wandering around the house Joe Sr., the caretaker, then confesses that he had seen this woman with the black bushy hair several times. In fact, had once followed her from room to room uh, in their house. And all told, the family, and this is several of them, report seeing this woman dozens of times over a period of way over a decade. Eventually, Joe Jr. grows up and he goes off to college and establishes his own life and his parents get to retirement age and they are getting ready to pack up and move out and move on with their lives. And while they are packing up the basement of the house, they find in a sort of corner that they had forgotten about, they find an urn with ashes in it and a name on the urn. And they do some digging and the name that is associated with these ashes has no family members buried at Oak Hill. There's no connection. And so they're, they think about it and they do a little bit more research and they look through the records and there is a family with a similar name, but it's not similar enough to sort of see an immediate connection between uh, this collection of ashes and the family plot. And so on a hunch, the Pozells reach out to the living descendants of the family that's buried there. They get in touch and they explain to them they have these ashes with this name. The family writes back to them and says, oh my goodness, this is wonderful. This is our long lost great aunt who moved to Europe in the 1930s dies in childbirth and what her ashes were sent home to be buried with the family at Oak Hill. And what they think happened is that there was a translation error with her last name, which is why they couldn't match her up with her family or anyone else in Oak Hill and why her ashes were just kind of stored in the basement of the superintendent's house, home for decades. So the Pozells, having solved the mystery, invite this woman's living family members to Oak Hill. They bury the ashes in the family plot and they all go out to dinner uh, to sort of celebrate sol solving this big mystery. And as it turns out, one of the family members has brought pictures of her. 
And Ella wants to, the mother wants to save the picture so she can tell her son when he comes home from college. And they look at these pictures, they see this sort of black and white image, this 1930s era image, and Ella, her son, even the superintendent, Joe, all instantly recognize the woman with the black, bushy, long hair uh, that they had seen dozens of times walking around their superintendent house. Uh, what they think is, they think that she needed to get, needed to get her rest. After the family, they bury her in the family plot. No one has seen her since. So it is supposed that she got what she needed now resting peacefully with her, her family members. But Joe Pozell Jr., the son, will talk about the story. In fact, he's written about this story, uh, which is how we know about it. Joe Sr. never talked about it. In fact, up until his death, would never confirm or deny. And my understanding is that Ella is still alive and does not talk about this story either. Uh, but Joe Jr. is very adamant that this, is the, this story is true. Yeah, there's a little touch of tragedy to the Pazell story as well. Joseph Pazell, senior, the superintendent, would also become uh, a reserve kind of officer in the Metropolitan Police Department. He said he wanted to get back to the Georgetown community, and so he starts directing traffic. Um, this is something that he continues to do for the last 10 years of his life, and he's out directing traffic 2005. He's right at the intersection of Wisconsin and M Street, which if you've ever been there, it's just a complete cluster, right? You've got everybody converging, traffic is nuts. And so there's often police officers there to help direct traffic. And that's what Pizzell was doing. And he was struck and hit by a car and dies as a result of that accident a couple days later. And so if you've spent time in that heart of Georgetown, Wisconsin and M, you might notice that the street signs say Joseph Pizzell Square, and they had that intersection named for him. And he is, of course, as you mentioned, buried uh, today at Oak Hill Cemetery. So not only is it sort of this great, I love hearing Joseph Jr. talk about this ghost story and it always just amuses me, um, but it's also, I think, like a nice little way to keep his dad's story alive and about being the superintendent and what that was like, just something they're really proud of, the Pazell family. I feel like Oak Hill Cemetery is full of great stories. There are so many interesting people laid to rest there. We've really just sort of uh, scratched the surface. But a couple of things I think are important to note if you are interested. Oak Hill Cemetery is open. You can come and visit the cemetery uh, and enjoy the grounds. We encourage you to do so. We lead tours of Oak Hill Cemetery. So if you're interested, you can always reach out to us through free tours by foot. Again, Oak Hill has such great work going on right now. They're really working to preserve the beautiful fence. Uh, the chapel, the gatehouse. So if you follow them on Instagram, Facebook, you're going to learn so much cool history, but you'll also get a chance to throw them a little bit of money or make a donation if you're in the position to do so. We do go by Oak Hill Cemetery on our Wicked Georgetown tour. We don't go into the cemetery because we do this tour late at night, but you do get to see the gatehouse, the chapel, and some of the really interesting, cool grave markers. So uh, in October, we're running our Wicked Georgetown tour every night. So if you're interested, you can go to freetoursbyfoot.com and check that out. There is a little bit of pop culture legacy to Oak Hill Cemetery. Not so much at pop, Hill, I, pop culture, I would say like 
literary culture. You are, Rebecca, one of the most well-read people I have known ever. Rebecca reads like an insane amount. But there was a very popular book two years ago that came out that really has kind of put Oak Hill like back in the conversation called Lincoln and the Bardo by George Saunders. Lincoln and the Bardo is indeed inspired by Willie Lincoln being entombed in the Carroll Crypt during 1862 to 1865. So it is a fictional book. It is written in a style that may not always be super accessible. It's it's not historical fiction the way you might think of it um, when you're hearing that this is set in a cemetery during this time. But it's really, really fascinating. And it uses Willie Lincoln as kind of a jumping off point to explore, I think, death and grief and the United States and a lot of really interesting topics. And this book did really well. It was nominated for a bunch of book awards and it made a bunch of best of lists. So what happened at Oak Hill is people started showing up with the book, basically being like, where, where can we see the Carol Crypt? Like, I want to see that. And so they did just prior to COVID, like a lot of book related talks and events. Um, but if this is interesting you at all, you should definitely check out the book. I enjoyed it. It was not what I thought it was going to be at all, but I found it really interesting. I don't know if you've read Lincoln and the Bardo yet. I have not gotten to it. It's on my like seemingly endless to be read yeah. pile. Um, and I just, I've heard. I was on the, I was on the DC things. public library wait list forever for it. It was like, like, 10 months to get it at the height of like its its excitement you know when it when it was on all the lists yeah it's really interesting if you've read it definitely reach out to us and let us know what you think um because it's oh this is not a book pod ex- explicitly so but yeah it was different that's what i'll say it was different but i i enjoyed it i've heard it is different Yes. My other pop culture reference at Oak Hills, not really pop culture, but there's a woman at Oak Hill who's the reason that the National Cathedral has a fully endowed girls choir forever and ever and ever. Uh, she was the daughter of the owner of Giants Foods, which is the big grocery store in the area. And she grows up wealthy, but deaf. And they she's not deaf as in she can't hear at all, but she has hearing issues. And because of that, her and she grows up in a time when her family doesn't quite know how to deal with that and they haven't diagnosed it properly. So she's kind of ostracized. But because of her hearing loss, uh, she wanted to make sure that music was endowed forever. And so she's going to endow the National Cathedral School with a girls choir forever. So that is our Oak Hill Cemetery episode. We hope that you'll pay a visit. And again, Oak Hill is one of just uh, several just incredible cemeteries in Washington, D.C. and in uh, the Washington, D.C. area. We've already done a little episode on Arlington National Cemetery focusing on World War II, but I hope in the future we'll be talking more about some of the other cemeteries in the area because I've gotten just in the last few years really obsessed with the D.C. cemeteries because they're so interesting and unique uh, and there's just some really fun things to see. And right now I'm just desperate to do anything that I can do outside and enjoy this lovely weather. Yes. Oh, kills amazing. I'm so excited about it. So as always, thank you to our listeners. We love you guys so much. If you like this episode, be sure to like it, subscribe to the podcast on whatever uh, method you use to listen to your podcast. Make sure that you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're at Tour Guide Tell All. Uh, on Twitter, we're at Tour Guide Tell. And you can email us, tourguidetellall at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your questions, your suggestions, uh, and what you like about the pod. Yes, thank you very much. We love to hear from our friends. We particularly are excited about our Patreons who are so helpful in keeping this pod happening and running. And we're so grateful to everybody who has become a sponsor. And if you want to become a sponsor and you're not already, uh, we have a Patreon page, Tour Guide Tell All. Uh, We have all sorts of goodies for our Patreon members. Uh, They also get a discount at our merch shop. 
We have a merch shop. Uh, you can get t-shirts and pillows and tote bags and sweatshirts, all with quotes and uh, pictures from the pod and people uh, we've talked about on the pod. Uh, so yes, definitely. We love our Patreon uh, subscribers the most. Next week, we are talking death. <gasps> More death. More death next week. Uh, our top five deaths in the Capitol. I'm so excited. Top five deaths at the United States Capitol building. That's all we'll say about that for now. And just but, uh, as a spoiler, the fact that we have a top five favorites implies that there's more than five, which is. We have to whittle. We're whittling it down. We did have to whittle it down. <laughs> so we're continuing our spooky, our spooktober uh, with deaths next week. So thank you guys for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Tour Guide Tell All is researched, recorded, edited, and mixed by Becca Grawl, Rebecca Fackner, Dan King, and Candon Arseniega. All tour guides with free tours by foot in Washington, D.C. Help support us and get some special perks by becoming a patron. And if you don't want to sign up for our monthly commitment, you can also send us a virtual tip on Venmo at Tour Guide Tell All, or get some Tour Guide Tell All swag from the merch store, all linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next week.